Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of sola scriptura and tota scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out and buy your guitar effects at westminstereffects.com. Save the world. Uh, also make sure, yeah, also make sure to join in the discussion at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. In person, as usual, uh, we have the return of the man without titles, Bradley. <laughs> He's like Prince. That's Bell. all I'm gonna. That's Spirit. all. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, I am oddly okay with that. And via the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody, John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, and uh, hopefully not patient zero from Lincoln, Nebraska. I've got a headache. Uh, and some sniffles, but I've had some sniffles because it's Nebraska and it's dry. But uh, uh, I figured that'd be a apropos segue. Uh, oh, a boy! Yeah, I'm glad to be yeah. uh, glad to be here with the uh, the preacher formerly known as Bradley Cox and uh, <laughs> and Cody as always. Uh, so what did we do in church this week, John? Go ahead. Nothing good. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you know, I actually shouldn't, shouldn't, uh, be that flippant, uh, because we are in the middle of our, kind of our annual at the movies series, which as we've talked about before is absolutely, it's not your favorite. It is not my favorite. Like it's, it's yeah. Anyways, uh, this one this year is. Uh, you're, you're saying you would rather do you'd rather do uh, an annual series through the Book of Numbers, right? Oh yeah. Oh, Just all a- the sense ab- of stuff. Absolutely. Why not? I'm going to turn my <laughs> interface up real quick. Hold on. That's better. Um, well, this year uh, we're doing movies. Starring babies, which I mean, I don't know what to do with that. I, uh, and I feel weird saying this is because, like, we are an Orthodox confessional Lutheran church. Like, like we're we're not being all wishy washy and weird about things. But then we're like, here, let's let's use look who's talking as a sermon illustration. Yeah. Now, now since now since you're since you're Lutheran, are you using all of these movies starring babies as support for your stance on pedo baptism? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's gonna if that's gonna be a thing. I don't know. Um, that you know, <laughs> pastors like, and this is why we dunk the babies. <laughs> sprinkle, we can sprinkle. Um, okay. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah. Waterboarding, I mean, it's all the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> and that's how it works, forgiveness of sins. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay. So, uh, anyways, Look Who's Talking was the uh, was the visual anecdote uh, for the week. <laughs> and uh, the sermon content was... Uh, uh, was essentially the exploration of um, our heart's desires and the 
improper placement of, uh, of those desires, resulting in lust and adultery and things like that, which is a theme that you do see in, uh, in Look Who's Talking. Um, but I have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's John Travolta and Christy Alley. Man, I don't know, dude. Like, um, <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day... I just, I just don't know how to process all this. <laughs> just... Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I've said that three times. I think I wish it were the end of the day already. Um, we, uh, um, I think John needs to be rebooted. Yeah, no, I need to drink this coffee. You just stare. I need to you drink just this coffee. off into space. I, yeah, I, I need to drink this coffee because it's coffee, but I got it from McDonald's, which means it's like boiling lava hot. Um, anyways, you know, you know, the majority of uh, of thematic sermons have a anecdote. We use the video in this case, the movie, as an anecdote for it, um, and explored as such. My big beef is that usually these are less scripturally dense uh, than than your average uh, uh, than your average sermon. So, anyways, I can feel that 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 over and done with. It was we still had uh, two baptisms. Uh, uh, an adult and, and yes, yes, a baby. Um, <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. Knew it. <laughs> I knew it. You, you <laughs> suckling heretic. You. Ah, I knew that you would moisten that infant. Ah. Uh, hello, see with you. Um, oh, and my dog. E- everyone's here. Everyone's here. They knew I needed love. Can Join in the party, right? Can you go upstairs and eat your pop tart? Thanks, sweetheart. Um, Frosted strawberry, by the way, king of the pop tarts. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Um, so, but it was flanked with baptisms and uh, uh, and you know communion, sacrament of the sacrament of the altar. I mean, great things happening as always in uh, in worship. Um, I was on a newer uh, position within the band, and that we're calling auxiliary guitar. So uh, Josiah, who's you know, yes, I serve as worship leader uh, on occasion, um, and also do a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But Josiah is usually the one who uh, who's leading the weekly uh, the, the weekly music of the services, and uh, he is uh, he's an accomplished keys player. And so, uh, when he plays keys, we have uh, a third guitarist take what the worship leader would have played. Um, usually acoustic or or something just basically rhythmic, and uh, and and do that to to augment. So so uh, so your worship leader is only singing then, uh, and playing keys. Okay, okay, yep. So Apologies. so no, no, that's all right. We've got a uh, uh, novation. I don't know, some sixty six key novation uh, MIDI controller, maybe forty nine keys, and a main stage rig uh, up front. Really kind of low profile. Um, allows him to play yeah. um, some of the really nice licks, and then lead from keys, which um, is a really—it's uh, kind of a new uh, visual experience, um, but it's—it's it's a cool musical experience because that's where he's really comfortable at. Um, but yeah, I was—we used co- to do a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't get as like Michael W. Smith as you might think, but um, you know, just—I <laughs> I don't think if we had like a huge eighty-eight key. You know, ignored or something at the front of the congregation or the front of the stage, it, it would fly as well. Um, but the the smaller one works works really well. Um, 
and I've designed some some main stage patches for us that that have uh, made that pretty easy. Um, but yeah, so I was on acoustic for for most of the week, or or for the entire set actually. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun uh, uh, being able to kind of go back to my quote native instrument um, without it being coupled with being the worship leader, so to speak, and just being able to play acoustic the whole week. That was that was kind of cool. Very cool. We had we had an interesting week at Res this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, our projector is dead. Oh no! Uh, with some pretty with some pretty funny circumstances yeah. surrounding that, where uh, it was dropped uh, from a height of what ten, fifteen feet, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds and, more like a uh, fell bold, down bold. circumstance rather than yeah, yeah. So we had we handed out quote unquote old school even though they didn't even appear until like twenty five years ago, paper programs with lyrics and mm-hmm. our corporate prayer for communion, all that kind of stuff. Um on top of that, I was the only guitarist other than bass, which doesn't really count as guitar. Um <laughs> so so I pulled kind of double duty where the first three songs were pretty electric heavy. So I went with electric there and then for the response song, uh switched to acoustic. Um, and I don't know how it sounded out there. It sounded uh, good. Good. You uh, had a, you had a different tone than you normally do on songs that we did Sunday. I yeah. felt like it, yeah. it sounded different. I'm not saying it sounded bad. Right. Uh, it, it was, it was the guitar, uh, or I, I just got the GNL tribute Dohaney or however you say it. it's a jazz master style and it's, it's pretty chimey. Uh, a lot more high end. I actually had to roll off some high end from from normal. Um, sorry, I'm clipping here in the interface. Let me turn that down. Um, and then sermon wise, we recapped like the whole book of Romans, but it was you and three of the four other elders in our church since Keith was out of town for a youth uh, event. Mm-hmm. Um, where instead of like we've had tag team sermons with you and yep. Keith, but this was. This was like a double tag team times two. I don't math. I don't know. Quadruple? <laughs> I don't know. There was four of us. There were four of you. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be fancy with numbers, and I should have known that would have been a mistake. Um, but, yeah, like recap that for us, Bradley. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how you felt about it, but um, I told somebody afterwards that um, for for a couple of different reasons um, – Yesterday was probably in the top three or four days that I've had in in 20 years of local church ministry. Oh, wow, yeah. Because, um, first of all, we finished Romans, the greatest letter ever written. Um, I agree yep. with Piper yep. on that. Um, it, it just... It was just so. It was so awesome to just. We we obviously didn't hit everything in Romans in in one sermon. It took us right. two years to go through the book. Technically, um, didn't even hit every chapter. No, we didn't even hit every week. chapter. Um, but just rehearsed the gospel with the church, and I felt like the response was so sweet and good. You could just feel the. You know, Paul ends Romans at, with the doxology that starts with now to him who was able to strengthen you according to my Mm. gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ. And so you could feel, I felt like the 
in strengthening of believers as we just rehearse the Gospels. We walk through Romans and hit some really key highlights, um, really key points in the book. And so that was just really sweet to me. The other thing that I loved was just the modeling of partnership and ministry. You know, I think when you have oh, yeah. multiple elders um, in a local church, and then when multiple elders get up and share the ministry of the word, it it models something that is huge, is that we all live under the authority of Scripture. Yep. This is not about one person or one personality, one dynamic, charismatic leader in the church that everybody comes to hear him speak. It's it's not the gospel according to Bradley. Exactly. This is like, th- this, this modeled something for the church that I think is just huge, and it's new for Rez. I mean, I think that's important. You know, some people listening may have had experiences like this um, multiple times in their church life, but I haven't, yeah. and we haven't. I've done you know, tag team sermons here and there, but nothing like what we did yesterday with four elders up there basically having a conversation in front of the church about Romans. Um, right. I just think that that models partnership, that models sola scriptura, that models um, the gospel being transcendent and that the, the, the preaching of the word is not, it, it's not about opinions. It's not about, you know, someone's ability to communicate. Uh, the effectiveness of the gospel is not just someone's ability to communicate well. It's, it, it's, it's something that we share, we live in, we talk about. And I think that was pictured yesterday. And the last thing I would say about it is that just, you know, I don't want to say that I was proud of those guys. Like I'm sort of the, you know, you've groomed them, like the Pied Piper yeah. of the bunch or whatever. But I was proud of them, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they don't have the other three elders do not have a lot of experience communicating in the large group setting like I do. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and so mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable in front of a group. Um, but just you know, I think there's a New Testament charge towards the church developing teachers Mm, and developing people who are able to instruct. Um, There should not just be one person instructing and then everybody else just sits and listens. We should be developing teachers, developing people who can, you know, rightly divide the word of truth. And um, we're doing that at res. We're in the process of doing that. And, and really yesterday was, those three guys first swing at the plate. You know, yeah. They got up to bat, and I thought they did extremely well. I gave each one of them 10 minutes, and I said, just pick one thing from Romans that really stood out to you um, and just talk about that. You don't need to exegete an entire chapter or multiple chapters. Just 10 minutes, highlight, communicate, and they did so well. Um, I thought they interacted with the people well, and they spoke well about the particular verses that they wanted to to highlight and um i was just proud of them and i i was proud of how our church responded uh loved the texts i got yesterday um afterwards just affirming that you know this is a good thing that res is moving forward in and yesterday was just one of my favorite days ever that's yeah. great man. yeah i mean what one of the one of the really cool things was i mean obviously you know you root around enough and you know all of the elders on stage aren't going to agree on every single point of theology. Right. Uh, but the consistency mm-hmm. 
through what was taught yesterday, it, there was a really heavy emphasis, obviously, because it's Romans, on justification by faith alone. Mm-hmm. And everybody just hammered on that point. It's like yep. it's like that's important or something, right? Exactly. <laughs> and that's a great point, Cody. I mean, I think that the the, the echo between us four, you know, as each one took a turn and talked, um, there, there was consistency there, which um, I think also communicates that, you know, we're we're not just up there giving our perspectives on Romans. We're up there trying to speak well about what's actually written there. And yep. that should, there should be a consistency um, between four people who share in the ministry of the word and leading the church's elders. And so, yeah, it's a great, right. it's a great point. Yeah. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, um, so I guess let's just dive right into our main topic today. Uh, if you haven't heard of this thing called the coronavirus, uh, you're probably hiding under a rock at this point. Or, uh, or, but you, it's, it's, or you've succumbed to it. Uh. Or you've succumbed to it. Uh, as, as apparently 361 have. Oh, my goodness. Uh, with, with over, it's terrible. Yeah, which is awful. Uh, over 17,000 have been confirmed just in China, uh, so obviously a very infectious virus, uh, kind of a kind of a big deal in the news right now, um, where it, it kind of got me thinking in, in a church context. Like we've had we've had situation, well, just one um, in our life group group me where uh, it was a few months ago where someone was like, yeah, I'm not feeling all that great, but I'm gonna try and tough it out and come to life group. And my wife was like, no, you're not (laughs) like, like stay home and don't get everybody else sick. So there there's there within the realm of sickness, there's so many things that you can talk about with, with the church world of one, not getting other people sick two visiting people who are sick and helping to take care of them or even meeting financial needs within, you know, medical bills and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and even uh, the very first time I came to Res, uh, you announced before everything started. Oh yeah, Zeke had to go home. He had the flu. Yeah. So you were, you know, basically down a worship leader and mm-hmm. kind of trying to fill holes just kind of on the fly. Which I was like, I think I can get on board with this. <laughs> like we're not going to freak out about a performance. Just dude just had to go it. home. Yeah. Just roll with it. And uh, so, how do we think about uh, sickness and? I guess we could even start with just sickness and church attendance. Like, when do you draw the line? <laughs> this, is, this is this is going to be, like, hard for me because I, I am a germaphobe, okay? I'm just going to put that out there. I, I just – this time of year, I do not like being in public. I mean, Well, especially you being <laughs> being a pastor, you interact with so many people. Yeah. Like, do you just, do you just keep, like, a canister of – hand sanitizer like Spider-Man's webbing, so you just hit a button and it automatically squirts out onto your hands and you're good? Uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, seriously, <laughs> I bet I washed my hands six times yesterday before I left church. I mean, just... Oh, yeah. It, it, like, if I can find... If I can sneak away and wash my hands, I will. Um, and it's it's not like a fear thing with me. Like, I'm not afraid 
to be around sick people. When when it's time to go to the hospital and visit the sick, I go and I strap it on and I just go and I wash my hands profusely and I come yep. to church and I do that. I'm not living in fear, but I hate, hate, hate being sick. Um, and I just, I recognize that people don't have the same, like, germaphobe kind of thing that I do. I mean, like one of the guys on our church basketball team had had a stomach virus and he, there was a text that went out like, Hey, we got a game tonight. Who's coming. And he's like, he responds at first with, I'm not coming. I've had a stomach virus. I'm still very weak. And then he texts back later and says, I'm feeling better. I think I'm coming. And I wanted to scream. (laughs) I do not want to be passing a leather ball back and forth with you. I mean, you've just been puking your brains out. That's the the real reason you weren't there last week. (laughs) No, no, no. This was the week before. This was the week before. And he actually didn't come. And I was honestly thankful. Um, No. It, now, it, with the uh, with that basketball thing, I, I was hoping you'd say something about that because, I mean, that's that's really something that we need to uh, that we need to consider is the the passing of the peace, the passing of the common cup. Yeah, in, yeah. in some yeah. congregations, I mean, there are many, many, many opportunities. Um, to spread whatever is on your person uh, to others. I mean, even in even in churches like ours who use the individual uh, uh, communion cups. I mean, if you're reaching There's for the still tray, that possibility, and yeah. Brush another one. Well, yeah. you know that's that stuff uh, can happen. I mean, to to really put a point on it, um, like if if you are ill stay home it's okay it, yeah. you know it um sunday school let's say you volunteer at sunday school um there'll be another volunteer who can help they can make do for a week uh if you're Which a greeter happens every know. week here yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> every week like yeah i think i think the you know it, i am not a big fan of live streaming services uh, for the sake of, uh, I've just been around a lot of pastors and churches who do live streaming because they're trying to expand their congregation. They love to count yeah. the numbers yeah. of yeah. online views, and they call it the online campus. The online campus, yes. like it's some gross. sort of like it's some sort of replacement for the gathering of the saints. That's exactly right. right. But I am a fan of it in the sense that it could serve the community in cases like this, where someone can still track with the series that you're in, whatever book you're teaching through. Um, They can watch the service and feel apart when they're at home and sick. I'm I'm a fan of those kind of things. Or when they're traveling, um, I like that idea. I don't like this online campus thing uh, just from a – philosophical standpoint but oh sure you know there 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 is a benefit to a church providing an online stream so that people you know you got to figure out where to draw the line you know we we tell our children's ministry volunteers and and we try to encourage parents of children if you if you or your kids got a fever or they're throwing up or you stay home like that it's one thing to have a sniffle it's another thing for it to be obvious you've got some sort of contagious bacteria or viral thing going on. And, and at that point, I think Mm -hmm. you, you stay home and, um, in whatever way a church can provide people, uh, with a way to stay connected and not just feel like they miss church. Um, I think that's a good thing too, but 
Yeah, and it's it's important to know kind of the signs that your body gives you. Like, I, I deal with a lot of seasonal allergies, sinus pressure type of stuff, and I know the difference. I know the difference between, oh, this is a sinus headache. Yeah. I need I need to hop in the shower and let that steam clear some stuff out or whatever. Right, right. And, and oh, man, my, my throat's starting to go. This is a problem. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, you know, um, it's like there's like, some there sort of of concept of uh of strength or like fortitude when you're like i'm sick but i'm gonna do it anyways like yeah yeah you know um yeah you know i'm not feeling i'm not feeling that great but but you know sure i'll uh i'll help serve communion today you know i i signed up i gotta commit no you don't <laughs> i mean like really to generalize this um you know Shepherd one another by not infecting them uh, with whatever it is that 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 you have, you know. Um, like yes, well, it's a great you know, point. leave the ninety nine to go to the one. But I'm pretty sure that uh, um, that if you know one of those ninety nine, uh, you know, was sick, uh, you'd put it in a different field before you left. You know what I mean? Like. You know, well, you know, this episode's kind of turning into a public service announcement, but, you know, I, f- I find that people don't think well about, you know, if they know that someone around them is sick, they they tend to, like, avoid contact, and they're very conscious about, you know, yeah. n- not contracting the illness themselves. Yep. But they're not very conscious about the effect that they could have on others when they themselves are sick. Yep. Um, and, you know... When this this past Christmas, you know, families are getting together. It's it's flu season, and my mom calls me like uh, I don't know a day or two before Christmas Eve, which my family gets together on Christmas Eve, and my sister and one of her children are running fevers. And there's this awkward moment where everybody's kind of weighing: Well, do we get together with someone sick and risk spreading germs? And my response was, yes, let's still get together because, I mean, that's family. But my sister doesn't need to be handling food. Right. So yeah, in all of right. the meal prep, she is sitting down um, and not touching any of the food. And and we're just not hugging. We're not doing all those things. She's so wrapped, like, in, wrapped in plastic. Everyone has surgical yeah, masks on. Put a hazmat Sounds like a great suit family on. event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. At least be one to remember, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so... You know, especially as a pastor, like everyone wants to shake your hand after church yep. and all that kind of stuff. Um, do you ever take more extreme measures of just not shaking hands if the flu is really going crazy? Like I remember uh, at NAM, like Josh Scott of JHS Pedals, like he was so uh, he was so bent on not getting sick, he wouldn't even give fist bumps. He gave elbow bumps. Yeah, <laughs> to people. And it's like I can't blame him because Nam is a petri dish, yeah. and uh, I've I have somehow avoided Nam the Nam thrax oh or Nam gosh. flu par- partially by preemptively taking Zycam, uh, but also just washing my hands and doing the hand sanitizer like constantly. Well, you know, uh, I, so just, you I ever... just thought about the inter- the international population that was there, like how oh, terrible, yeah. oh, my gosh. you know, like yeah, yeah. 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 So have you ever considered taking those extreme measures when something big is going around? And well, no, because I mean, we've never had like a the plague. The plague hit the church, <laughs> you know. Like I read this article in USA Today a few weeks ago about Except a, except for that one time when the plague 
actually hit the church. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, I mean, specifically at Res, but you know, I yeah, read this article yeah, in yeah. USA Today where uh, at Yellowstone National Park there was a virus that went around over a period of you know a week that hundreds of people oh, got wow. infected. Uh, it was, and it was like that stomach virus stuff. It, yeah. it, it like hundreds of people were infected in one spot. So we, you know, we haven't had anything like that at Res where it's like, okay, our whole church is sick and and getting sicker. But I, what this is what I do. Um, I don't refuse handshakes. Um, you know, I just I just go with it, and I'm very conscious not to touch my face. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't scratch my nose, I don't uh, pick my nose, I don't you know uh, try to get something out of my teeth with my hands. I just literally do not touch my face at yep. all yep. while I'm interacting with people during this time of year until I can wash my hands. Right. And I always like I mean, people can call me crazy, but I get the water hot and I keep my hands and under you the properly. Scrub. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I scrub and I mean. No guarantees, but so far this flu season, I have not been sick at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not even a cold. So uh, do with that what you will. But I I, I try to be like, okay, I'm going to interact with people. If people want to shake my hand, I'm going to shake their hand. Yeah. Um, you know, and if I catch something, if I inhale some type of germ or virus that way, then, you know, so be it. Um, but I'm just... I try not to touch my face and I try to wash my hands a lot. I make my kids wash their hands as soon as church is over. Um, you know, yeah. just because, you know, if, if, if something goes around my household, you know, it's, you'll probably get it. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, I think I have a pretty good immune system too. Like I don't generally get sick mm -hmm. unless my kids bring something home. Right. Um, it's rare that I'm the first one in the house. And, to get and it does seem like the Cox household gets strep throat once a year. Yeah, it does. I mean, <laughs> but I, I'm rarely the first one to get sick in my home. Um, I'm usually the last one. And it's like my immune system just, you know, taps out at some point going, okay, we can't do it anymore. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So. Yeah. Sure. So, so how do we, th hmm, where to go with this? Uh, visiting people. How does uh, how does that typically happen in the life of the church? Uh, like, how do we think about you know someone is whether it's infectious or not, but they're laid up either in their house for an extended amount of time or they're in the hospital or what have you. Uh, obviously, you have you can call it professional <laughs> experience doing that, uh, Bradley. But um, like, how do we think about that? When to go? Uh, like, how bad does it need to be? Um, maybe even are there precautions taken there, uh, especially if it's in a hospital? Mm -hmm. And those those are usually just rampant with <laughs> various and sundry uh, viruses and bacterium and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I tell you this. I mean, people have done this for me, and I do it for others. If it's viral or bacterial, um, it's phone calls. Yeah. And it's drop stuff off at the front door. Yeah. Uh, I've done that. People have done it for me. And now I did go see someone in the hospital last week that I was pretty sure they had the flu. Mm -hmm. um, and like 
this person's eye was like they lost vision in one eye and there was this splitting headache and you know just like it was i thought it was either the, a really bad virus or they were about to have a stroke turns out it was just a, a viral thing and you know i went to the hospital in the emergency room during flu season but i didn't sit on any chairs yeah i didn't touch any doorknobs mm -hmm. i elbowed the doors that i needed to open yep I washed my hands two or three times while I was there, and I used the hand sanitizing things while I was there, and probably about four or five times. Yeah, when I <laughs> prayed for when I prayed for this person, I didn't put my hands on her. Yeah, um, I just stood at a distance and and prayed, and and to my knowledge, nobody's ever gotten offended by me being that way. So, good, good. Um, you got anything over there, John? You look like you're about to say something. Yeah, but I also know that you have a headache. So maybe we just <laughs> no, contracted the swine flu no, through the internet. No, it's it's getting better. The the coffee is uh, is definitely helping. Um, Very good. I will say that uh, I don't remember what I was going to say, but it was going to be incredibly deep <laughs> and impactful, um, potentially world changing. So I, I believe we really are remiss that I've forgotten. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's that. Um, you know the the visitation. Uh, this is this is world class oh, radio oh. right here. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, you, John. You said you're not sick. Bradley, go wash your hands. <laughs> oh gosh. I don't. I don't think I am. I you know I I usually I usually don't I, just like you Bradley I, I rarely uh, get sick if uh, if ever and so you know that's that's been a great blessing in my life when you know everyone else is is uh, is in really really lousy straits you know being able to uh, to continue on is is fantastic um, I think in general uh you know visitation ministry is has always been a very visible part of uh of my growing up in the church and uh i mean anything from from myself at times personal relative or relative obviously relatives are personal but um personal friends and and even uh, even other calls within the uh um uh, within the congregation for support and assistance on that are are all very very important and you know yes we we ought to make sure that that we uh, uh, steward our own health uh, but at the same time um, weighing, just like you said Brad weighing that against um, the needs of uh, of our flock and our neighbor um, so yeah I, I I was hoping that a little bit of on-topic rambling would have uh, jump-started my memory but uh, <laughs> it usually you know, I, does yeah it I've I've lost it, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say that I got a <laughs> the I I'm not one to get tremendously sick. We've joked several times about if something happens to me it's <laughs> it's some kind of dumb injury. injury. And uh what was it? Like a year, year and a half into attending res when I put a grade 3 sprain on my ankle helping at a youth lock-in at a trampoline park and uh and i and i got a couple of visits with that from a couple of people in the church 
especially because uh, Kristen was out of town. <laughs> it's yeah, like the yeah. worst possible timing. And that was super helpful, even though I don't really remember it because I was on so many pain pills. Yeah. Um, all I remember is I didn't have to worry about eating because food was brought to me. And that was really helpful. So if there's somebody laid up with a dead leg or <laughs> or the flu, drop some food off at the door. But if they have a dead leg, maybe take it to them on the couch so they don't have to move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, you know, the same thing goes for uh, for you know new parents, right? I mean, that can be a, a tremendous not only ministry opportunity, but but just a way to bless somebody uh, who uh, who now has significantly less time in their lives. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do wonder um, at some of these larger, um, very public-facing megachurches, and you know, I'm sure we could name uh, name a handful, uh, you know, at any given time. But, you know, I, I wonder, even the ones that, you know, may practice some uh, uh, or, or attempt some supernatural healing. <clears throat> Bethel. Anyways, uh, <laughs> like... Obvi- obviously, this this most recent thing with that worship leader's uh, uh, child who passed away, which is terribly unfortunate. the The whole situation was uh, um, was was difficult. Um, but that was a high profile member. You know, I, I I wonder just someone in the congregation who you know who's on their on their membership roles or or however they do that. You know, there seems to be a level of of uh, anonymity in in some of these really large churches, and uh, you know, I just wonder. I just wonder if they if they do uh, minister to the sick and the shut-ins and and things like that. My my initial inkling, based upon no fact, is is probably not. Um, it, it seems like something that maybe would have come out of. Of a of a smaller, or, or probably not as efficiently, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. thoroughly. Yeah, because yeah, I, I know, likely. I know, I know. Mark Dever is, you know, like they're big on keeping their membership. You know, I mean, they're they're still a fairly large church, but they're not going to get to three, four, five thousand uh, by oh, yeah. design. Uh, where they'll say, you know, hey, you've you've been coming here, but you're driving 45 minutes. Here's a really really good church five minutes away from you, uh, yeah. where where they're perfectly willing to say, hey, here's a great church. Go to that one, and by the way, you'll save an hour <laughs> driving here. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, more people hearing the gospel is fantastic, um, but if it, you know, numbers has nothing to do with that as far as the local congregation is concerned. Right. I mean, obviously there are ancillary benefits of, you know, higher numbers just by odds usually means increased giving, which helps the bottom line of the church, you know, but you know, that, uh, that focus on numbers that, that we, not, not the book of numbers, obviously, but, um, that we mentioned earlier in the episode, but the other numbers that we, that we mentioned earlier in the episode as, uh, um, kind of the antithesis to uh, the online streaming campuses, right? Um, it, it is not the focus, nor should it be. I mean, even in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we had uh, we we had a, a difficult time with that a number of years ago during a uh, uh, an initiative called the Ablaze Program, um, which actually set numeric numbers like or numeric goals of how many people would be reached which is very very out of uh 
uh, out of even uh, the realm of like fees, uh, not even feasibility, but like justifiability within the the LCMS. Like we just have never been like, yeah, more numbers is better than content. More numbers is, and actually setting those goals. I don't know. It was it was weird. Like there was a goal that like s- s- how many ever would would be uh, would be reached and become members by the 500th anniversary of the Reformation or, or something like just weird weird stuff. Um, and know. honestly, kind of arbitrary. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Bradley. Well, I, I wouldn't interrupt. Him. Um, you know. The Bible is not opposed to large church, right? No, I mean, no, not at all. Like there's, there's a, there's, there's a lot of mentions of large group gatherings and what we would even consider large group gatherings today, um, in Scripture, and that the, the Bible's not anti that. I just think what we're hitting on is that, at least in our culture, the larger a church gets, the tendency is to focus less and less on biblical church life and what it should include uh at the you know because of the emphasis on the large group gathering and the performance and execution of that um and when we you know we was talking about sickness you know as much as of a germaphobe as i am what i do realize is that dealing with sickness navigating it with people that you are in fellowship with is I think part of God's sovereign plan and grace to his church at this point in Mm -hmm. redemptive history. Um, And John, you mentioned miracles and healing um, and we could have a lot of discussion about that, but I'll just say this um, from what I can tell in scripture 9.9 9.9 out uh, ten, times out of 10 when a healing of, of, of physical sickness occurs, um, there's a couple of instances uh, where we see believers or uh, where there's a family member of a believing household that's sick and a miracle occurs. But most of the time, those miracles are evangelistic in nature or mm-hmm. they're connected to uh, Jesus's strategic ministry and how it was all, you know, about bringing the disciples along in faith uh, to trust him or other people that were following him or was uh, in some way a part of his journey to the cross. Um, the the healings within the believing community uh, of people that are saved are, are really pretty rare in Scripture. I mean, you think about how Paul talked about Epaphroditus. Uh, who was very ill, and there's no indication that he got better because of a miracle. Paul told hmm. Timothy to take a little wine for the stomach. Yeah, you know, what Paul, you 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 prayed over a guy who fell out a window uh, because he fell asleep while you were preaching and raised him from the dead. Why don't you just lay hands on Timothy, right, and cure his stomach ailment? Um, you know. Paul had a thorn in the flesh that he begged God to take away and he didn't. So there, there's some sort of like sense that, you know, I believe God still heals people within yeah. and without the body of Christ. And when God does a miracle, it's always about confirming and affirming the message of the gospel and, 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 um, advancing the kingdom. But, you know, 
but it doesn't with, have to it doesn't have to happen because yeah. there there's something really sweet and kingdom and spirit led and and spirit empowered when a brother or sister brings you a meal when you're sick yeah and prays yeah. with you there's something really good about that i mean i think paul um uh, you know in romans um 15 uh is it 15 or is it uh maybe it's 12 i'm so terrible with remembering exactly where stuff is but you know he talks about that these are the things that christians do we outdo one another in brotherly kindness right like that's who we are and when someone's sick and they've got a fever they've got a virus and you take them a meal that's a demonstration of mercy that's really meant to point us to the hope we have in God because of his mercy. Um, and so I, I just think that, you know, it's good for people to be conscious uh, and not spread germs. It's good for us to take every precaution that we can. It's good for us to take advantage of modern medicine, but it's also good for the church to whether the church is really large or really small or something in between for there to be substantial energy and attention given to doing life with people when they're sick. That's part of what we do. It's it's biblical Christianity is caring for one another, meeting one another's needs, loving one another, showing mercy to one another, being generous to one another. Um, You know, Jesus said, by this will all men know you're my disciples. You love one another. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the ways we do that, that, and that love one another, it's it's a one another within the community. Right. And yeah. that love one another is is huge. And, and a lot of times it gets lived out when we go through things that are hard, like sickness. Um, and so there, whether we stream online or we have, you know, 5,000 people gathering or 500 people gathering on a Sunday morning, there should be mechanisms and... Um, emphasis placed on caring for one another, not just gathering to be entertained on a Sunday morning. Yeah, very cool. You want to leave it there and move on to a quick Inquisition round? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Thanks for your thoughts, Bradley. I appreciate it. Yeah, well well done, Bradley. My pleasure. So, Inquisition for this week. Uh, we'll try and make this a little bit quick because I know we're running uh, a little long already. Dustin Beeman asks, who did you root for in the Super Bowl? Chiefs. I did too. I a did lot of Clemson players there, and I like Andy Reid. Yeah. I like Patrick Mahomes. He sounds like Kermit the Frog, and he's he's just an exciting player. John doesn't care. Go sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> um... I was, Scott really Hamilton. The, I was really pulling for the Astros, but, you know, they just couldn't make it happen. <laughs> but then they cheated and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that um, last layup just was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like it. Uh, Scott Hamilton uh, has a very good Romans 5 question. Um, we just worked through Romans 5, 12 through 21. 
and ran up against the concept of the imputation of sin. Can you, can you help explain how we are guilty of Adam's sin? Do we carry the sins of our fathers, or is this allegorical language? P.S. Are you immediate imputation, immediate imputation, or transmission of original sin by socialization and character deformation rather than imputation believer? <laughs> so, so, so a lot of a lot of big terms being thrown around, uh, but let's let's mainly keep it to the original sin, uh, imputation sin. Uh, you could even say federal or covenantal headship uh, of Adam. So, where do we go from there? Um, well, the, the the simplest answer would be um, if you cannot wrap your head around um, someone sinning in your place, and in some strange and mysterious way, you are guilty of that. When Adam sinned, we did too. I my interpretation of Romans five is that is that I, I very much believe in original sin that. When Adam sinned, in in Adam all died because in Adam all sinned. That's what Paul said. Yep. And yep. I'm inclined to take that in a very literal way, not a metaphorical way, is that we are guilty uh, because, you know, in Romans 5, Paul says basically there are two kinds of life. Well, not basically. There are only two kinds of life. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And the common state of humanity when we are born we are born into life with adam which is death because in adam all die because in adam all sinned so we're guilty Um, and if you can't get your head around that someone sinning in your place then how can you believe that someone could die in your place yep if sin can't be imputed then neither can righteousness right and so yes to answer the question we are mysteriously guilty of sin because of Adam. Um, But because of new birth, uh, the grace of God, faith in Christ, I am born again into new life in Christ. And that new life in Christ removes my condemnation uh, of the sin imputed to me. um, And it I receive by faith the gift of Christ's righteousness uh, and in this new life I have in him um, and I am now free. I am now declared righteous because of Christ and the righteous life that he lived while he was on this earth. I, I'm That is credited to my account and therefore I am righteous. And so I think you, you've got to, It's this is not a, you know, there's no way Adam can sin in my place, but yes, Christ died in my place. We have uh, a lot of this question usually, and I'm not saying that this is the case with Scott, uh, but often this question is fueled by, you know, the rugged American individualism where, you know, the only person who stands for me is me. Uh, I'm the only person who can represent myself, and et cetera. Uh, but that's, that's not really how God operates in scripture and and you even see it with Jesus in somewhere in that Matthew 22 to 24 judgment on Jerusalem area where, uh, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, uh, how often I would have gathered your chicks under my wings, uh, but you were unwilling. And a lot of Arminians will try and use that to support their position. But what Jesus is actually doing is he's calling out their leaders uh, he's he's calling out their their covenantal heads, you know, particularly like the 
the Levites with the priesthood and all that kind of thing is they kept rejecting God. And that was also a reflection on the people. You know, the right. leader, leaders of a country do reflect on the country itself. So, I mean, not to get political or anything, that's not the goal here. Um, so God does think in a federal way. Yes, but, you know, to, to those same leaders, you know, he, he said to them, and I think the, my wife and I are reading through the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. and it is just, what, what's the word? It is explicitly reformed. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> to be anachronistic. <laughs> I mean, that that is like, I mean, Jesus looks at the, uh, the religious leaders and he says, you don't believe... Because, because you're, not, you're not my sheep. Yeah. You're not my sheep. And Mary and I read that this morning, and we were both just talking about the fact that how amazing is it that Jesus didn't say, you're not my sheep because you don't believe. Right. You're, you don't believe because you're not my sheep, which I don't think that's Jesus saying that every individual in, that heard him say that had no opportunity for saving fellowship with the living God. But what does that tell us? It tells us that the the natural state of humankind is we love darkness and hate light. You know, we, 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 our hearts are hard. We are, we are bent. We are by nature children of wrath. Uh, that is what we are. And, and so how does that happen? How are we born that way? Right. We're born that way because of Adam. Right. And yes, we are people, we are people who individually sin. Yep. That's clear. But what's also clear is that we are born into sin, um, and so yeah, I, I, th- I think Paul is literal in Romans five. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even though allegory is you know is is not the basis for that, we can use it to uh, uh, to explore it just a smidgen further. Uh, you know, Adam Adam received uh, the judgment and punishment punishment by being sent away from the garden. Uh, Every new life which God blesses upon this earth does not go back and start in the garden. You know, yeah, yeah. You, know, man you start outside was, of the garden. Man was cast out, right? Um, and That's a exactly flaming right. sword was placed to protect the entrance. You know, um, you know. So yeah, I mean the the core of it is is not allegory. It is legitimate uh, sinfulness and a fallen human nature that follows us, just like you said, Bradley. But we can take some uh, some of that, uh, um, not even imagery, that the reality uh, from uh, from Genesis three, and uh, and use that to uh, to explore our current condition. Absolutely, right. and, and it raises all kinds of questions. I I want to acknowledge that. I mean, there there when you when you take Paul literally in Romans five, it raises questions about um, children and infants who die uh, before yep. they come to the age of being able to profess faith in Christ, um, um, or be you know for there to be any kind of conscious evidence that they were born again. Um, I, I know those kinds of questions come up, and uh, but those questions come up regardless of how you take original sin. Right. Uh, there, yeah. there, there, those are those are big, huge questions that we could wrestle with on maybe other episodes. But I, I think it is human pride that pushes back from the table at Paul in Romans five and say, "Oh, he must just be 
metaphorical there. He must just be speaking poetically, trying to, you know, help us understand our condition. No, he's literally saying, you know, this comes on the heels of talking about Abraham mm-hmm. and that, you know, Abraham had to be justified by faith too. Right. You know, there, there, even Father Abraham, who the, the, you know, good Jewish people would have looked at and said, you know, if anybody could be saved by works, it would be Abraham. Certainly. I mean, the man was raised the knife to his own son to obey God. So certainly he could be justified by his works. And, and Paul says, nope, nope, you got to go back and read. Before he was circumcised, before he ever raised the knife with, uh, to Isaac, it, it, the scriptures say Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. So we cannot have imputed righteousness if we can't tolerate the mystery of imputed sin. Very good. Well, there's there's a couple other really good questions, but I don't think we have time for them. Sorry, I'm long-winded is there, today. Is there a really lousy question? Uh, no, actually. Wow. Uh, that's we'll, a, we'll, that's carry, a we'll carry these over. Uh, John Trailer <laughs> asks, what's the biggest mistake you've made as a worship leader? That's... Uh, oh, I got a good one. Oh, you want to go ahead on it? <laughs> oh no okay so this was uh gosh long long time ago um i was directing this traveling uh worship choir band uh for the college that i graduated from and uh, we were at this church and it was the end of a week-long tour um it was a nine-day tour i think so it was a little over a week and i think we had done 10 or 11 services uh, oh by goodness. this point, it was just, I was so tired and we were at this really good church. It was a, it was a pretty sizable church and just a great, um, great church. I loved that church and their founding pastor who had moved on to plant a church in another part of the country was in town visiting and he got up to speak. Uh, he is as Caucasian as anybody you've ever seen in your life, has no <laughs> accents whatsoever. <laughs> Um, and he stands up and talks and honestly, I totally checked out. I totally, I just totally checked out and I don't know why I did this, but I got up, they, they handed the mic to me and it was time for us to do our thing. And I, I just said, I, I just appreciate our brother's words from Trinidad. I don't know where I got in my head that he's from Trinidad. He's as pale and had no accent. And I just got up there and said that my our brother from Trinidad and people are looking at me like, what did he smoke before he got up on this platform? <laughs> and why is he not sharing? Oh, great! <laughs> did, did you that's recognize great. it and correct it? No, I just kept. I just went on. <laughs> oh gosh, it was terrible. And my wife, after it was over, she was like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> like she thought I might have been having a stroke or something because I was just almost talking out of my head, but I was just that tired. That's amazing. John, you got anything <laughs> quick like that? Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't as a worship leader, but I was I was uh, preaching and officiating the service one day, and uh, the uh, it came time for the Apostles' Creed, which is a, uh, you know, a standard part of our service. And I started going through it, and... I like missed a word, but didn't correct myself. So it was like always a word like behind or, or ahead. And, uh, and it, I mean, it, I, I guess I didn't notice, but the rest of the congregation did. And so from their perspective, 
um, the the amalgamation of that and me must have sounded like I was speaking in tongues or something. And uh, after, after the service, my one of my friends came up to me, one of our one of the elders, and was like, "Dude, I I thought like just like you, I thought you were having a stroke." Like John got the apostles, like it was funny that like that. Like oh John, John's getting the Apostles' Creed wrong. He, there must be something you know mentally wrong with him. Um, <laughs> I mean, so that that uh, that massaged my piety bone for a second. But uh, but yeah, that <laughs> just being completely oblivious. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, just little stuff like that. My, I get this. Really, isn't all, a worship. Although, thing. when you this first is... asked the question, the first thought in my head was becoming one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this was this was before I ever did any church music. But when my band was very very new, and when I was still dating Kristen, and before she had a backup guitar, right? Uh, and I might have told this story uh, on the podcast before, but we were playing a, a church show in Columbia. And she broke a string, and I am scrambling to throw another one on there. So mistake number one, yep. no backup guitar. And then our singer goes, here's mistake number two. Hey, anybody got any jokes? No, no. And oh, I'm, no. I'm just you sitting there do. throwing this guitar string, and I'm like, oh, no, here we you go. You just don't do that. And uh, you hear, knock, knock. Singer goes, who's there? Guy goes, your mom has cancer. And our singer just totally deadpans. He goes, dude. That's not cool. My mom died from cancer. And then he goes, no, I'm just messing with you. And I was just sitting over on the side of the stage like, what is happening right now? And then on top of that, we used uh, electronic samples for uh, for some parts. And our bassist, drummer, and singer decided to prank us one time at practice. And they had a screwed up sample with just all kind of goofy noises and whatnot. And they forgot to load the correct one. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the player. So, anyway, I guess I guess we'll just leave it there at our musical horror stories. Uh, so make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Write a five star review on iTunes. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, etc. You can also also uh, support the show at Anchor.fm if you uh, pledge to give ten dollars a month for a year. You get your choice of a Wickliffe Fuzz or a Piper Drive. As always, check us out at WestminsterEffects.com, and I'll leave you with something that I forgot to prepare as usual. So John will sort that out later. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Cody, day two of NAM booth. What is it, 5046? Is that right, John? John says yes. Uh, day two's pedal of the day is the Osteen Distortion version two. And the question of the day for the Osteen Distortion version 2 is, will it P-dubs? The answer is actually yes, uh, as evidenced by the song Glorious Day, with a nice drop D. So there you have it. The Osteen Distortion will P-dubs. 